0: hi everyone welcome to another episode of the world of entrepreneurs i'm your host Tanea hopkins for this week's guest we have professor marino he is an ndsu business professor who does research and entrepreneurship here's how my interview with marino went all right Thanks, Professor Marino, for being on the show today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. It's almost springtime, so.
0: I know. It's nice to see like less snow in the outside. Yeah,
1: Yeah, just we need some glimmer of hope after this winter. So
0: (laughs) I agree. Um, So I just want to have you tell us more about yourself and the work that you do at NDSU.
1: Okay, sure. I am an associate professor of management in the College of Business. I've been at NDSU for about nine years, and I do research in management and entrepreneurship. And I teach negotiations, and I also teach uh, organizational behavior at at both the undergraduate and graduate levels.
0: Nice, and um... Firsthand, hand, because I just noticed that you actually went to school in Alaska. How did you end up at NDSU?
1: Oh, well, so my family moved to Alaska when I was eight or nine, and um, maybe earlier. I can't remember now, but I went there uh, for my undergraduate. I, I got into college rather late uh, in life, and um, I have an undergraduate degree in English rhetoric and a minor in philosophy. I have an MBA from University of Alaska Anchorage as well. Once I got my MBA, many of my professors encouraged me to look into getting a PhD. And so I did that and I got accepted at the University of Kentucky. And I went to school there for my PhD for five years. And then my job, my first job, academic job is at NDSU. So that's how I made that that kind of unusual journey from Alaska to Fargo.
0: Well, nice. Um, well, I guess it's not um, new to you that we have a brutal winter compared to Alaska.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, many people said, oh, you're from Alaska. You'll be no problem You know, living in Fargo. And in fact, Fargo winters are much harsher than the ones I experienced in Alaska south central and anchorage and we had a lot more snow and our winters were longer but winter was a fun time that's where you went outside and went hiking and do outdoor activities not the case here you pretty much shut yourself inside all winter it seems that way anyway so it's yeah, yeah quite a bit it's quite a bit different the i don't know which one i would prefer to be honest because i like the shorter winters here but they are pretty tough at times
0: yeah, I absolutely agree. Especially too, there's not many trees here and so it's super windy. But you gotta love Fargo, right?
1: Yeah, I know it's a great place to live. We're very happy we're here and we're settled in and my um I have adult children who um enjoy living here as well. So yeah, we're 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 happy where we're at.
0: Nice. So you have done a lot of research, which we'll talk about later um in entrepreneurship and just in the ecosystems um what characteristic do you think it's most important for an entrepreneur to have
1: um it's hard to it's always hard to say you know one thing but um there's there's two parts to this i suppose there's sort of the academic answer then there's my experience and um what i would say from experience is you really have to have persistence you can't give up this is true of almost anything that's difficult in life, however, so it's just a, it's a characteristic that successful people have, I think in general, is a persistence and ability to keep going even when you, everything is telling you to, to, to give up. Naturally, there are times when you probably do want to stop because you're not doing yourself any favors, but in terms of starting and running a business, you really have this uh, persistence and um, what they, some would call grit in order to prevail because um, there's many challenges in starting and running a business or trying to develop an idea from scratch so probably that but i mean the researcher would say it's cognitive ability <laughs> so yeah cognitive ability is the number one predictor of, of most things uh, when it comes to being successful so um, you have to have enough you don't have to be brilliant but you have to be smart enough and, in order to just deal with complexities and and solve problems from there i would say you need to have a support system of some kind um, used to be that many people thought entrepreneurs were lone wolves people that just sort of you know went out on their own and 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 made a made a path for themselves but that's that's not the case there's really no entrepreneur that's successful that has done things on their own so we have to consider the fact that uh, to be successful in life you need a support system and entrepreneurs are no are no different that that could be family, friends, uh, an institution like a university, or just other people doing similar activities that you can rely on and learn from. So there's my list, I guess, um, as we're talking, that's the ones that come to mind.
0: I like that you pointed out having a support system, just because I think when entrepreneurs think about it, they know that they have a support system, but that's not like one of the advice that they'll probably give just because they think like it's just granted. But from the outside, looking into entrepreneurs, I think a lot of people do have that like perspective of, oh, like they're just doing it by themselves or like they did this all by themselves. But along the way, entrepreneurs do have a support system where they do have people and organizations. And just like you said, even a university as a, like an institution um, that they have to like rely on to get them to, to be successful.
1: Oh, absolutely. The uh, I think it's just a it's just not a lie, but it's just a, it's a misconception that entrepreneurs are. I mean, there's there's really no entrepreneur that that has done things on their own. I um, you look at even modern day success stories like Elon Musk or, or even the the late um, Steve Jobs. They did not work alone. They all had support. They've had other people in their lives. They even had maybe parents that provided, you know, money or other types of things. So yeah, we, we don't, uh, we don't get very far on our own. It's a lesson that we, we all need to learn.
0: Absolutely. So I noticed you had multiple fellowships within the NDSU College of Business. Um, how did you get involved in um, the NDSU Entrepreneurship, now Family Business Center?
1: Yeah, so I've been, um, this might get a little bit ahead of, of the question, but I was in an entrepreneurial organization from the age of 16 to 30. So within that um, time, I was, uh, it was a coffee company in Alaska, and it was entrepreneurial. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a startup. Essentially, yeah. and I was there from the very beginning. And so I always liked that environment of uh, constant change, solving problems, newness. I mean, those are all just wonderful things. So I like that quite a bit. I grew up in a sense in that environment. And so when I got to NDSU many years later, um, I looked around and realized that there was a lot of activity in the, especially the downtown area where the College of Business was. And um, it uh, no one was really doing much. No one was really looking at it. And we didn't have entrepreneurship at all at our college, not zero. And so I thought, well, I'll give it a shot, you know, I'll kind of look around, see what's there. So I started doing some research, just trying to understand what was going on at the, uh, what we now come to know as the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the downtown area. And I was able to get a, a grant from the Kaufman Foundation. And to shorten the story a bit, that's sort of how I got into entrepreneurship research and the center. Um, Entrepreneurship Center for the Center for Entrepreneurship and Family Business, I believe is what it's called, um, is relatively new. I mean, just this year. And so because I had done research with the uh, current director, um, Annalie Nordstrom, Dr. Nordstrom, uh, it just made sense for us to work on additional research together. So as a faculty fellow, that just gives me time and resources to continue that work.
0: Also, it's really cool that you mentioned that you did work at a startup because i think a lot of people do work at startups or small businesses and they don't realize like how that is like different compared to like working at like a corporation, like a real established corporation like a Walmart or just like um just any corporation like that but what was it like for you working at a startup
1: well you know it's um it's different because in one sense, nobody knows what they're doing, because we're all doing it for the first time. And um, I was really young. I mean, I was um, 16 when I started. and By the time I was 17, 18, I'm trying to recall, I was um, doing a lot of things that normal 17, 18 year olds probably wouldn't give them the opportunity opportunity to do, um, whether it be managing, I was writing, you know, curriculum on how to, you know, teaching classes on how to make coffee, I was kind of becoming sort of lo- the local coffee expert. Um, and uh, eventually soon after that, I was managing stores and the warehouse and I was the coffee buyer. So what I would say in a small business, if you, um, as it's growing, if you're a part of it, you, the opportunities there are just amazing. You get to do things you would never probably be able to do otherwise because they they just need people that um, are able and willing to, to, to learn and to learn quickly and to try things. So that's probably the biggest difference is the opportunities you get. Now, the downside is because you're young and you're given opportunities, you're probably not ready for them and you're probably not going to know exactly what you're doing. Um, but that's sort of part of the part of the process is it, it seems to me most uh, young family owned businesses or startups, there's, there's different categories. Most of the time, you're just figuring it out as you go anyway. So that's sort of the fun. It's frustrating at times. Um, but it's very different. so in established corporations, everything there's processes, there's formalization, centralization, all these factors which maybe give you a little bit less opportunity to try things and to experiment uh, in the work that you do. But in a startup, if you are able to have an impact, you can shape the way that the organization changes and grows. So you can really have a huge impact, which is which is um, pretty exciting most of the time.
0: It's really fascinating that you were able to experience more than like what a typical 18, 19 year old would experience working because normal like college age students just typically work at like a coffee shop or just somewhere where they're working part time where you basically like got thrown into your work. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, wasn't always fun but it was for the most part.
0: All right so segue a little bit Um, first your negotiations class is very fascinating no for firsthand because I'm in the class right now Um, it's really cool to like get to negotiate and practice my negotiation skills with other students but what lessons do you think entrepreneurs could value from taking if they were able to take your negotiations class?
1: Well, probably very similar lessons I hope that students like yourself get, which is that negotiation isn't scary. Um, it doesn't have to be. You can set yourself up for success by planning and thinking through and and just getting practice in, in negotiating makes a huge difference. Um, I think that... Um, most uh, entrepreneurs have to negotiate just by nature of the types of things activities that they're involved in and fine-tuning those skills and just becoming more comfortable of course is going to pay dividends to them over the long run so um i can pretty confidently say that if you want to be an entrepreneur you will be negotiating
0: yeah.
1: and you should prepare yourself as best as you can by by uh, you know learning Learning um, best practices and getting some experience in a safe environment where you're not, you know, theres no real money on the line, you know, and you can um, own your craft because it w- you will be negotiating as an entrepreneur.
0: Absolutely. Um, So what made you, you kind of talked about it a little bit Doing starting your research here in like, especially in the Fargo downtown area, but what made you wanna start your research in entrepreneurship?
1: Well, I'm, uh, my background is actually in an area called social networks. So I study um, the connections between people in the workplace. So their relationships and how those relationships affect outcomes like performance and promotion things of that nature. So this is a very broad area and it can, uh, because it is um, essentially is looking at how things are connected it makes sense to look at communities especially startup communities and how those communities are connected so how people are connected to each other how institutions are connected to people etc so that is my angle how i look at the uh, the environment i'm also very interested in culture and how culture is uh, basically a um, you could say emergent property of coll- of collectives so the um those are my interest areas and and it it does it could be entrepreneurial ecosystem it could be an organization it could be something else it just those um those those elements of um, that that come to be when humans are organizing um are interesting to me so that's sort of the broad picture of of why i was interested The, the other one as i mentioned is just accessibility it's two blocks from the business school and we would I remember we'd be in these faculty meetings, and we'd say, "Okay, what are some of the assets that we have as a business school? And you know, what are the what are the things that we have that are that seem to be, um, you know, st- strategically, you know, advantageous to us?" And they would always say, "Well, we're proximity to downtown." I'm like, "Well, yeah, but no one's doing anything about it. I mean, yeah, we're near stuff, but no one's like researching or doing any kind of interactions." So that yeah. was sort of the impetus is like that. Why not um, and see, uh, you know, what what we can learn, if anything, from. And, and when I started kind of looking into it in 2016, it was relatively fresh. It was relatively new. Um, I can't believe it's, it's five or six years later. Um, and it's evolved quite a bit. However, I think as most things, COVID really um, changed the trajectory, at least the growth and um, the way it's unfolded a bit. But so that's kind of interesting into itself. But yeah, it basically it's um, proximity, uh, just wanting to get to know people within my own community better and have a, a a pathway for academics or researchers or professors to be interacting with the business community, I think is is really important.
0: Yeah, and one thing I've noticed too, just from being in Fargo the last four years is that like, Every, depending on like what major is the student in like the college of business, there's a business in the downtown area that's like close to it. So there's marketing agencies in Fargo downtown. And then, of course, we have like Emerging Prairie that helps with small businesses um, in technology downtown in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Um, and like I said, banks for finance people. So it's very interesting that you pointed that out just because a lot of students don't really think of that or just don't really think of, oh, we have this like right next door to us, literally two blocks away.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And um, even if you're a programmer, let's say you're in computer science, there's hackathons and there's you know developer days and there's, there's digital marketing clubs i don't know if they all meet downtown but that's definitely the epicenter of things um and it's you know it's, it's easy to take take advantage of this but it's also easy to to not you know, if you're not aware and don't take the time to learn um we have to do our job as um, as a college of business to make sure students see those opportunities and know what's available to them hopefully we're doing that
0: yeah so now that you figured out well at the time now that you figured out um. well, we have all this right next to us and like we're not doing anything about it. Um. What like what well, basically tell us more about like the research that you've done in like the Fargo-Moorhead area.
1: Sure. Um, so stuff that were published or working on getting published. Um. One paper was we were trying to assess the degree to which there was a shared culture among people within what we call the entrepreneurial ecosystem. In other words, do they see things the same way? Um, Because that's sort of a defining characteristic of a culture is they have shared values. That's what we're just trying to measure that and see what it looked like. Uh, Very interesting research um, where, I won't go into a lot of detail, but we basically use a set of, um, I think it was 158 questions at every that uh, we had 62 people that, that actually answered all of them, and um, they uh ask each person to, to tell us how similar different concepts are to each other. And so, we might have a term like um networking, and then another term like entrepreneurial ecosystem, and then they would just say how we'd ask how similar are these two ideas to each other, and they would give us a answer and we did that for all these different combinations, and that kind of actually uh, creates a map of concepts and how those concepts are connected to each other and how strong those concepts are connected to each other. So we took this and and you basically aggregate it in a in a sense over all the people that answer it and you have like a master map that sort of uh, sums up everyone's beliefs about relationships among ideas. so Are entrepreneurs about building a business are they about networking is um the ecosystem an important part of that and that so that paper basically shows how people think about entrepreneurship and the relationships among different ideas so it's just a way to map and understand culture um so so that's a paper that we we have published and we've done a whole bunch of um presentations on just our assessment of different aspects of the ecosystem at emerging prairie and and other venues we have a couple of papers right now. One is looking at more in the network side, um, looking at uh, the differences between men and women's uh, connections within the ecosystem. So are men and women equally connected? Are there differences between them? And we find that there are some in particular for female entrepreneurs, this is unpublished. So this is papers that are under review, but uh, we find that uh, female entrepreneurs have, um, are less connected in certain ways um within the ecosystem than male entrepreneurs or even female non-entrepreneurs so that's some interesting research that we're examining um we also have i i have a paper that's just starting to to work on which is um, trying to understand if entrepreneurs have any advantage or disadvantage when it comes to understanding the way that the network the set of relationships among people members of the ecosystem whether they have any advantage or disadvantage when it comes to being more or less aware of those relationships. And early results show that entrepreneurs actually are less aware of relationships around them in the ecosystem. So anyway, that's very early research, so I, I don't want to you know, claim too much about that. But those are some of the projects that I work on. Um, it's really the intersection of entrepreneurship, community, and networks, how people are connected.
0: I've always wondered this, just because NDSU is a research um, institution um how do you balance from being a professor and like doing your research
1: um well part of it is just it's built into our our job description literally so (laughs) most professors will have a job description which allocates certain amount of their time towards teaching a certain amount towards research and a certain amount towards service and that's always kind of maybe evolving a little bit and depending on the college the type of environment you're in it's going to be leaning more towards teaching or research ours are pretty balanced so we we we're actually given a certain set of time um that that we use towards research and so that's something you work out based on your appointment based on what the needs of the college and your own personal interests
0: nice um so i looked I had to stalk you for this podcast, pretty much this interview, <laughs> um, but you have a lot of published um, work. I just want to know, what does it feel like to have your research published in multiple journals?
1: Well, um, obviously it's it's positive, but when you look back at all the work that went into them, uh, you just see, you just kind of, it's more relief than anything. <laughs> Um, because you know, some of this stuff is just very difficult to get published. Uh, It's not easy, especially I believe in management in particular, we don't, you don't typically have management professors with hundreds of publications before tenure. It just doesn't happen. So it's very difficult to get published in management. And, um, so, you know, you're proud of it, but by the time something gets published, you're on to something else. Uh, what people don't realize oftentimes is getting something published can take years, years and years. So when it finally gets, you you get, you submit to the journal, it goes through review, you do all your revisions, that could be a a year and a half, two year process. So you're on to the next thing. And so when it finally gets published, it's not, you know, it's kind of old news a little little bit. So there's that kind of delayed gratification component to it, but it's always good to have stuff out there. And, um, because it's part of our job, it's requirement for our job, um, kind of just comes with the territory.
0: yeah Yeah. and just out of curiosity what is the process like of getting your work published so like you get it reviewed like I just want to know what's the process like
1: yeah so you you have a paper hopefully um I mean usually you you go first send it to a conference and at the conference is where you, if it gets you know, accepted there, you present it in front of your peers and you get feedback. And hopefully, can improve and refine the work. Then you find a journal that it fits that whatever project you're working on, that that paper fits that journal's um, scope and aims. You send it to the journal. The journal either says, we aren't even going to look at this, or they send it to an editor. The editor then takes a look decides whether it's worth reviewing, sends it out to reviewers. I review papers all the time for other journals. And then, so your peers review that study and give feedback and can give uh, recommendations to the editor whether to accept it or not. I would say 99.9% of the time, um, well, I'd say 95% of the time it's rejected. So you have to start over somewhere else. Um, And then that 5% of the time they'll say, okay, This has promise make these changes and then you go through a process of of revising the paper based on comments and that can go two, three rounds and each of those rounds could be three to three to four months, and so you can see how pretty soon, you know you've been working on revisions for a year, and then, if you meet the. um, the recommendations of the, the editor and the reviewers, then they'll accept it as in, in a publication. And then even when it's accepted for publication, it probably won't even come out for six months or a year. So. Wow. Yeah.
0: So now I can see like why you're already like, I'm already moved on to other research.
1: Yeah, you already forgot what what you wrote by the time it hits the actual journal. <laughs> like, I don't know, what was that about? i gonna have to go back and look. So it's easy. It's just, yeah, t- you don't realize how long it takes to get, at least in management. I mean, this is one discipline. There's other disciplines where you can publish like much faster, but in management, it, it takes a long time and it's, they're trying to make it faster. So they're trying to speed up this process, but um, yeah, traditionally it's it's been a long, it's a long process.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you have to present your research at a conference and I noticed that you presented not only nationally, but in, like, all over the world. Um, how has that been for you? What, like, how was it? How was, what was the experience like?
1: Uh, well, yeah, so um, it's pretty common, you know, to to present uh, internationally nowadays, because a lot of the major conferences, um, which would be um, important for you to present at, will have like an American conference one year, then they'll go international the next. And so, if you want to go to that conference every year, you're naturally going to be going international, and it's great. I mean, you get to see the world uh, that I in a, any other you know occupation I probably would not. And it's uh, so it's great to see other countries and to um, and to visit and uh, experience the cultures. I will say that when you go to those conferences, it's not like you, it's the same people basically are there. So you do yeah. the same people, but it is great to um to travel. I'm not a huge fan of traveling, but it, it's part of the job. So um so when it happens, uh, yeah, it, it's fun. It's fun to do it.
0: That's cool. Um I think just being in a student, a lot of students don't think about like the research that their professors have done or working on so if you wanted to tell your students um one thing about your research
1: what would it be um it would be well there's two ways to take this right there's sort of things that i have learned from the research that i've done and then there's just basic ideas about research so there's two elements one is that research matters and it is while incremental what I mean by that is that there's little tiny steps are made each time a study is typically published it's a it's a little step forward in terms of knowledge. The accumulation of that over time is what matters and um, it's important for students to be aware that there are studies that are done in the world of management that will have an impact on the way managers manage in the future and the way that people organize themselves. So this research actually has an impact. It just takes a while. It's slow. It's sort of like a glacier, you know? And then for me personally, my research is a lot about how people think about relationships and how how well they're able to discern whether people are either um, friends or enemies. And knowing who are friends and enemies in an organization matters. And it's something that can, but we're very bad at it. We're not good. So oftentimes we think that we kind of know what's going on, what we call the, the social landscape. So we look out into an organization or team. We say, okay, they're friends. They don't get along. They're in conflict. They don't trust each other. Oftentimes we're wrong about all those guesses. Oh, wow. So we're not as accurate as we think we are. On, on, it, on average, we're going we're gonna to make mistakes more often than we don't. So it's important to realize that. Uh, we make a lot of assumptions about relationships around us. And um, we probably need to be a little more careful about that. So that's that's one that's just one thing that comes to mind that I think is quite interesting.
0: That is very interesting that you use that analogy. I never thought of it that way. And to piggyback on what you said, yes, research does matter. Just because you know it's used in journals, and then it's also used in students can use it for papers or just like projects that they use i know i have to use research all the time for um school work as well
1: yeah we you know ideally we are as professors our research is informing the way what we teach and how we teach i mean it, it really really should be the more direct conduit directly to list the hearers and the listeners is through our own teaching so to the degree that my research has uh, connection to what I teach, I try to infuse it into those topic areas.
0: Yeah. So you kind of mentioned already that you're constantly working on new research, even though you're getting the rest of your research reviewed, but um, are there any like exciting research that you're doing evolving around the Fargo Moorhead community?
1: Yeah, uh, so some of the things I mentioned a moment ago, um, about studying the relationships among people within the ecosystem and how there might be differences in terms of gender or whether a person is an entrepreneur or not. But another piece of research we're working on, um, Dr. Uh, Nordstrom and I, uh, trying to understand leaders, how leaders um, behave within the ecosystem. And so we used a methodology to identify who are the leaders within the ecosystem based on their network centrality, so how central they are compared to everyone else uh, in terms of their connections. So are they, they have more or less connections, they have more. And so we use an algorithm to, to define that. And then we're looking at their characteristics, um, not so much their demographics, but how do they actually communicate? Who are they communicating with? Who are they c- connected to? And we're determining that there might be, at least for successful ecosystems, whether you have, uh, you know, th- this ecosystem is producing what it intends to do, which is more entrepreneurs. There might be certain characteristics that you need to have that are complementary among uh, leaders. And one takeaway from this, this is early research, um, is that you you can't just have one type of leader in this sort of environment. Maybe you need multiple types. Which uh, so you can't rely on one person to build a startup community. You really need different. So that's that's one area I think is quite interesting. Um, outside of entrepreneurship, I I'm always looking at. Um, how uh, negative relationships, so things like dislike and distrust, factor into individuals' work behaviors and outcomes. And more generally, um, determine, trying to devise way better ways to measure, understand, and, um, and to study those types of relationships. Because oftentimes, those types of relationships as we think of them are in our heads. <laughs> so, yeah trying to uh, study what's in a person's head is not easy to do. Um, So it's that's fascinating to me. And I like working on those those problems.
0: Well, Dr. Marino, um, this has been very insightful as a student, just because we don't really think about the research that our professors do um, in their work. So thank you so much for um giving us an insight on your research that you have done and the research that you're currently working on now so thank you so much for letting me interview you
1: thank you tana i really appreciate it yeah great job yeah it's good to be here
0: for the episode ends today, thank you, Professor Marinell for letting me interview you. I'm so glad I got to learn more about you, your start at working at a startup, and more of your research at NDSU. I would like to also thank the audience for tuning into this week's episode of the World of Entrepreneurs. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Anchor FM. Thank you so much and see you next time.